Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 31 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Well, the 2021 MLB season is officially over, and I am proud to announce that the Atlanta Braves are the 2021 MLB World Champions. After the Astros eventually beat the Red Sox in Game 6 to win the American League Championship, they went on to face the National League champion Atlanta Braves, who also won out the series against the Dodgers four games to two. The Best of Seven World Series started October 26th, with Game 1 giving us a little taste of the incredible offense that we would see all throughout the series. The Braves started hot, scoring two runs in the first, a run in the second, and two more in the third, all before A.J. Minter, the Braves pitcher, would give up a single run. Soler had his first home run of the series in the top of the first inning off Framber Valdez, followed by Adam Duvall's first home run, which scored two. The Braves won Game 1 in Houston, 6-2. Game 2 flipped the script entirely, as the Astros would have a four-run second inning that quickly quieted Max Freed, and excited the Astros faithful. Freed would finish his night giving up six runs on seven hits, as the Astros tied the series with their 7-2 victory. Game 3 would be the first in Atlanta, in what was one of the better pitch games of the series. The final for the 3-hour and 24-minute game was 2-0 in favor of the Braves, and saw Ian Anderson jump to 2-0. Actually, there was a no-hitter going into the 8th inning as the first hit would come off of Tyler Matzik as the ball landed just short of the left fielder and NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario. The Astros would only have one more hit in the game off closer Will Smith, but they were never able to crack the Atlanta pitching staff. Game 4 saw a pitching matchup between the left-handed rookie Dylan Lee for Atlanta and Zach Granke, one of the all-time great October pitchers. Lee would give up the first run of the game after recording one out in the first inning before handing the ball off to Kyle Wright, who would pitch four and two-thirds, giving up just one more run in the fourth. Granke, on the other hand, would keep the Braves off the board until he and Ryan Stanek were replaced by Brooks Raley, who would give up a double to Eddie Rosario. Austin Riley would then hit an RBI single that would score Rosario, finally putting the Braves on the board. A two-run seventh inning, thanks to back-to-back home runs from Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler, would put the Braves up ahead, and they never looked back. They ended up taking Game 4, just like that. And on the brink of elimination, the pitching game for both teams kind of went a little bit south. The game would start with a grand slam off the bat of Adam Duvall in the bottom of the first inning. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? The Astros would then answer with two runs in the second and two runs in the third. The Braves would score their fifth and final run in the third with a home run off the bat of the longtime Brave Freddie Freeman. And after a clean fourth inning, the Astros would just pile it on even more. Three runs would be scored in the fifth inning, thanks to a Martin Maldonado bases-loaded walk and an RBI single that would score two, 
coming from the pinch hitter Marwin Gonzalez. Houston would score once more in the 7th and again in the 8th to win Game 5, 9-5. Game 6 would go back to Houston and would be Max Freed's curtain call. Freed would pitch 6 scoreless innings, giving up only 4 hits while striking out 6 before handing it off to Tyler Matzik, who similarly gave up 1 hit, striking out 4. Meanwhile, the Braves would score three runs in the third off of a three-run shot from Jorge Soler and another three runs in the fifth thanks to a two-run home run from Dansby Swanson and an RBI double off the bat of Freddie Freeman. Freddie wasn't quite done either as he would score the final run of the game as he took Ryan Stanek deep to left center field with two outs in the seventh. Then, it was up to the rock-solid Will Smith, who, without much trouble at all, would finish off the Astros in the ninth, securing the victory and the World Series championship. And it was the best way to end the championship as well, as it was a ground ball hit to Dansby Swanson, as he picked it up and threw it over to the all-time Atlanta great Freddie Freeman. This is the first World Series championship since 1995 for the Braves. The craziest part about all of this, however, was the fact that going into the postseason, the Braves finished with an 88-73 and record when no other teams in the playoffs had less than 93 wins. So, talk about an underdog story. This year was a truly unprecedented one, without a doubt. As I mentioned in my recap of the 2021 season just a few episodes ago, there have been a lot of crazy things that have made this season so special. And this kind of realization got me thinking about other seasons that ended with kind of a ridiculous storyline, including the 2000 MLB season. Now, if you're a big fan of hits and home runs, then Well, this was the season for you. Only two seasons off of the incredible long-gone summer, which we'll talk about next week, came one of the craziest home-run frenzies baseball had ever seen. You see, up until this point, a then-record 5,693 home runs were hit during the regular season. This record would be eventually broken, but it wouldn't be until 6,105 home runs were slugged in 2017. So it took 17 seasons for this record to be broken. The current record, if you were wondering, is 6,776 home runs that the 30 teams hit in 2019. But even so. In 2000, however, there were 10 teams that hit 200 or more home runs, The Astros, Blue Jays, Athletics, Angels, Cardinals, Giants, Indians, White Sox, Dodgers, Yankees, and the Reds. 16 teams finished over 500, and all 30 teams had a .401 win percentage or better. The AL East had three teams over 500, with the Yankees winning the division with an 87-74 record. The Red Sox and Blue Jays finished two and a half and four and a half games behind them, respectively. 
But I think the most wild division was definitely the NL West, which had four of its five teams finish above 500. As the Giants won the division with a 97 and 65 record, which, by the way, was the best record in the league. The Dodgers would finish in second 11 games back with an 86 and 76 record, which is almost unheard of, followed by the Diamondbacks, who were 12 games out, and the 82 and 80 Rockies, who finished 15 games out of the division. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that just about every team, bar maybe the Cubs and Phillies, were pretty competitive. But, I mean, even then, no teams lost 100 games. And I guess won 100 games, which nowadays just seems kind of guaranteed. Like, if there's a team that doesn't either win 100 games or lose 100 games, that's a very strange season. And in 2000, the bats were so electric, in fact, that there were no no-hitters pitched. None. It was the first time since 1989 that that had happened, and only the fifth time since 1949. But it's not like the MLB was lacking in pitchers in 2000. Actually, it was quite the opposite. Tom Glavin, the 17-year Atlanta Brave, went 21-9 and with a 3.40 ERA. Tim Hudson, the second-year Georgia product, went 20-6 and with a 4.14 ERA. All the while, David Wells, Andy Pettit, Chan Ho Park, and three Hall of Famers, Pedro Martinez, Greg Maddox, and Randy Johnson, were all pitching, arguably in their prime at this time. But I think you got a little bit of a glimpse at the problem that these pitchers were facing at the time. I mean, to be fair, Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson had the best ERAs at a 174 and 264, respectively. But pretty much all of the other pitchers, at least the ones that I listed above, had either a 3.0 ERA to almost a 5.0 ERA. I mean, they just could not get the numbers of these hitters down. For example, Sammy Sosa had 50 home runs on 193 hits and a 320 batting average. Barry Bonds had 49 home runs and a 306 batting average. Jeff Bagwell and Troy Glaus both had 47 home runs. I mean, these guys just couldn't stop hitting. The Rockies' own Todd Helton led the league with a 372 batting average, as well as 216 hits, 59 doubles, and 147 RBIs. And not to mention his first of many All-Star appearances and eventual Silver Sluggers that he would receive at the end of the season. The closest to Todd was the Red Sox' Nomar Garcia-Para, who also had a 372 batting average, but with 19 fewer hits and 21 home runs compared to Todd's 42. And when you have this many guys that are this close to a 400 batting average, I mean, you're not going to have a very fun season as a pitcher. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, let me put it this way. There have only been 20 players 
in the entire history of the MLB that have recorded at least a 400 batting average in a single MLB season. The most recent to do it was Ted Williams in 1941. Besides Todd Helton and Nomar Garciaparra, Hall of Famer Larry Walker was the most recent player that was the closest to hit 400 when he hit 379 in 1999. I think one of the most exciting parts of the season, other than, of course, the millions of home runs hit and all of the hits and everything like that, was the playoffs and the outcome of the playoffs. You see, the Chicago White Sox faced off against the Seattle Mariners as the Oakland Athletics played the New York Yankees in the ALDS. The San Francisco Giants played the New York Mets, and the St. Louis Cardinals played the Atlanta Braves for the NLDS. The Mariners, Yankees, Mets, and Cardinals all moved on to play in the ALCS and the NLCS, respectively, where the Yankees beat the Mariners four games to two, as the Mets beat the Cardinals four games to one. Now, this meant that for the first and only time, the New York Yankees and the New York Mets were meeting in the World Series. Now, as all of the fans in the Bronx battled all of the fans in Queens, the Yankees would take Game 1 and Game 2, with Game 1 ending in a walk-off single and a 4-3 victory in the 12th inning, as Game 2 ended in a 6-5 victory. So, just from Game 1 and 2, you can tell that both of these teams were pitching really well, and both of these teams were hitting even better. Every game of this series was only decided by one or two runs. Game 3 would go the way of the Mets, thanks to a Robin Ventura home run and a handful of doubles, but eventually Game 4 and Game 5 would go to the Yankees. Yankees ace Mike Stanton would have two wins in the series, and Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera would pick up the save in games five and six. Derek Jeter was unanimously named the World Series MVP as he slugged two home runs, two doubles, a triple, and four singles on his way to collecting a 409 batting average. This, by the way, was a full year before Jeter won his nickname, Mr. November. Interesting. Now, 2000 was a really crazy year for baseball, as you can tell. But I think it's fair to say that it's more uncommon for there to not be a crazy year in baseball. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the single-season home run record has already been broken twice. Even though it took 17 seasons to break it the first time, but you know what I mean. And looking back on the 2021 season... So many wonderful and crazy storylines have happened that it just fills me with excitement for the 2022 season. And it kind of refreshes me to see that baseball's kind of on a good path right now. I mean, who knows what kind of things will happen? Who knows what incredible offensive records or defensive records we'll see completely shattered in front of our very own eyes? I mean, maybe we'll see the record for most no-hitters or see all 30 teams break 7,000 home runs in a season. I mean, all I really know is that trying to predict it in possibly a future episode of Painting the Corners will be very interesting. 
So in the next episode, we're going to talk about this famed long gone summer between Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and a few other sluggers at this time. And we'll take a deep dive into some of the controversy that arose from this long gone summer that changed the game of baseball as we know it. Thank you for listening.